Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you wanna be because of him or her or anybody. This is Giants Amongst Us. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. How's everybody feeling? How you doing? Welcome back. Hopefully, this finds you in good spirits. I'd like to give a shout out to Finland. Sweden, Denmark, Nigeria, Ireland, the Philippines, UK, and all over the US, I've seen a lot of hits, visits, and people from those parts and places tuning in. So hopefully these stories, these experiences have in some way been of value to you. Today, we're going to pick it up right where we left off with Clarence sharing his story with us. So for anybody tuning in for the very first time, you can check out the first half of this conversation. That way you can listen and hear Clarence's story in its entirety. So without too much extra filler leading up to the second part of our conversation, let's just jump right back into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is part two of Clarence and his story. Probably a lot of the stuff that really messed me up as a child what was like in the middle like um I, t- I told you i was raped i i uh geez there's just like a lot of stuff I, so yeah I, I had three teachers that were just absolutely terrible to me um well one teacher wasn't really that bad i would say she's more incompetent okay no never mind i think it was four teachers and one was just really incompetent i asked her because i really wanted to be like a you know an author because I was really inspired. I really wanted to be like a great dungeon master, like a professional dungeon master, but that job never existed at the time. And so my brother told me just to learn how to be an author. I came up to her and I asked her how to be an author and she didn't see any potential in me. And she said, I'm sorry, honey, but people like you can't become an author. No, people like Kelly, another student in the class do. You can be like a factory worker or a construction worker. And I was like, dang. Another teacher, I'm pretty sure like she had antisocial personality disorder. I don't I don't know exactly what disorder, but she was what a lot of people would call like a sociopath. She she legitimately like bullied the crap out of me. I had like a lot of PTSD whenever people like whisper in my ear, like I was sending the PTSD flashbacks and she would send the other students to whisper in my ear and do a lot of terrible things to me. Um, I, these are teachers. Yeah. And is this like in elementary school? Yeah. Uh, my first teacher, the first teacher I talked about was like my first grade teacher. I'm pretty sure my third grade teacher was either like the third or the fourth grade teacher. But I think my third grade teacher was the second one I talked about. My fourth grade teacher was the one that, um, you know the show The Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, you know, j- just to point this out, you know the character Sheldon Cooper? Um, let me see. Okay, just explain which one. Because I don't know them by name, but I know if you if you give me a yeah. description. or. So Sheldon Cooper is, is like the best way I can point out. He's the weird one. Like Leonard is more of like the straight man in comparison to Sheldon that's just off the wall bonkers. Okay, got it. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. So, I honestly don't understand exactly what happened, but if you look at Sheldon's behavior, he's what you would call in the past someone with Asperger's, or currently after the reclassification of Asperger's but just becoming autism, he would be autistic. And so about that time, you know, I was born in 1999, 
I went into the school a year later because I was past the cutoff day. So about that time is when the show came out. Probably like it was either like just came out or a year in the coming out. The teacher saw the show and saw my behaviors and she thought I was acting like Sheldon as a joke. But the thing was, is I was legitimately expressing myself. And she, so she pulled me aside and she said, hey, honey, I know that you're acting like Sheldon and you think it's funny, but they're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. And I was like, who the hell is Sheldon? I had never seen the show before. You didn't even know who he was at the time. And like, I told her that and she just said, honey, you know, you don't have to lie to me. You know, I know you're acting like him. There's no way someone would actually act like this. And that show really messed me up as a kid because they saw, my teacher saw there was something wrong with me. Yeah. You know, something not normal. And they just assumed it was because of that show that I was just acting abnormally. And that situation, like you talked about earlier that you believe like in freedom of speech. I believe in freedom of speech and freedom of expression as well. I have no problem with like people making fun of me being autistic on a TV show. But if you do that and you don't say this person has a medical condition, like we're making fun of this guy with autism, you're not making fun of the condition. You're making the condition a joke and people aren't going to understand that people generally deal with this stuff. Yeah. And that just really messed me up as a kid. Like that stopped me, I think, from getting an autism diagnosed when I was a kid. And that would have been life-changing for me. And that show, I think, has just done so much damage to the autistic community that it's just insane to me that no one like talks about it or cares. Or like it just feels like they don't care because they they just laugh at it. Hmm. That is that's insane that you would have you know, okay. And not even to say that that's even cool because the teachers, like, they're there to, um, the, especially children, like, these are young children with impressionable minds. Um, you can, they're still developing, forming, molding, like, you know, all of these things. But for, say you have one, one teacher doing this, but the chances of you having yeah. year after year a teacher. Yeah, it, so... It, that's like really the worst part is that when you're autistic, you know, when you're a kid, a lot of stuff that is just natural and like you understand, like you have a feeling of socially like right or wrong when you're a neurotypical person, we just don't have that. And so we go into those social situations and people can legitimately take advantage of us and abuse us in ways that they can't with most people because most people kind of have a sense of when they're being taken advantage of. But like a lot of the way people interact is just so completely foreign to me, I have a lot harder of a chance of detecting that. Mm. And so it's so much easier for people to try to abuse me. All of like these that. subtle nuances and things that are... Yeah. Just like to close the book, um, my my gym teacher from 7th to 8th grade, he was probably um, one of the worst teachers I ever had. The guy, um, I, you know, I was morbidly obese. I have asthma. He would run me to the point where like, I would like legitimately feel like I was about to die. Uh, he actually, so at the end of the year, at the end of my eighth grade year, he told me that he, like, we, we just by chance met up in the hallway by ourselves and he stopped me and he said, you know, I'm the one who told those guys to like ask one of the high schoolers to come to your house and to bully you. Like, I'm the one who gave them that idea and I knew about it and I didn't say anything. And I was just like, what the hell? 
Like, you know, the guys, you know, he saw when they pushed me down the stairs, he didn't do anything. I'm pretty sure he tried to push me down the stairs, but I just caught the railing because I was already used to, you know, some people trying to push me down the stairs at that point. Wow. Um, you know, he, he generally told me that I, everything I had accomplished up to this point in my life was just luck and that it was all going to go away in high school and that I should just kill myself just straight up end my own life because I was just going to be burdened on the people who I loved and that they didn't deserve that. That I was going to, that if I didn't, I would just, you know, accomplish nothing in my life. I would just live the rest of my life in my mother's basement. Ironically, I, I live in my mother's basement. He was right about that. But that guy was just terrible. And I realized later in my life that the reason why he did that was like, two reasons <laughs> one was that i was like i had more muscle than him like the guy i don't mean to be rude to people who can't develop muscle but the guy was what you would call skinny fat mm -hmm. where he just couldn't put on weight he couldn't put on muscle and another reason was like um you know this beautiful seventh grader or like eighth grader i guess at that point you know as beautiful as like a 13 year old can be you know she liked me and he didn't like that that like you know this beautiful one was giving me attention and so he just bullied the crap out of me. This is a grown adult. Yeah. But he has just had, and you're in seventh grade. Yeah. I, I mean, at, when the, when he gave me that talk, it was at the end of my eighth grade year. But she started liking me at seventh grade, and that's when it started. It just crescendoed when I was an eighth grader. And the worst part is, like, years later, I reported that guy to the school. I don't think anything was done about it. You know, that's just how it is. Was this at the same school? Yeah, because I, I know some schools are separate when you go to elementary school to when you go to middle school. It's a different school. But all of these years was at the same school with these different teachers. Yeah. You know, I, I forget if it's still something that happens in America. Property taxes from an area goes to the school. And so that makes it so that, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, areas like more wealthy areas, they get more school funding than poorer areas. And that just makes it so like the teachers are underpaid. Everything's just trash. And so only teachers that don't aren't really good at their job go to those schools. And so those children that need more support are given less support and given lower qualities of teachers. We can go on a whole different run with this one. But then how that affects the later years in life to where now you have these kids that they've spent how much of their time in school, because you're spending at that age, you're spending like eight hours a day in school. You're spending most of the time with the teachers and, and the school kids and you are with your actual parents or family members. That can really do something to where the later years in life. Now you have these uh, once kids who are adults, but they're mentally and emotionally immature and they haven't grown. And um, that it's just a whole can of worms that that opens up after that. Yeah, it's. It's terrible that the most vulnerable people in our society, you know, the people who are poor and in the poor areas, they're underserved in school because of the way our system is set up to benefit people that come from wealthy families. It's yeah. th they legitimately need better schools, not worse schools. I honestly, I can't say that that still happens. I remember reading a, yeah. like a paper, like probably like a long time ago. I, I can't quote exactly when that happened. I remember reading a paper that that, at least in the past happened. I can't confirm that that still happens, but if it does, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, a author. He was an ex school teacher. He has a real good book and it talks about, it talks about the whole schooling system from uh, where it comes from and, and the, 
you know, a lot of the politics and the corruption that goes behind it, but he gets into real depth and he has a a lot of firsthand experience. He was a teacher for probably over 20 years in New York City. And um, I think he actually did his resignation the day he received one of the highest certificates and awards for his um, for being the, the teacher that he was. And on the stage was when he he uh, gave this huge speech and he was kind of exposing a lot of what he's seen throughout the years and just um, really letting it all out there and saying, thank you for the award, but I'm resigning. And it's for these reasons. <laughs> and he has a book and uh, I can't think of the name right now, but that's a whole other monster right there. A whole other beast. Yeah. Uh, really. I'm really grateful for teachers who are legitimately, who, who are good at their job. Like if you're, if you're a teacher out there and you, you do good work, I'm, I'm really grateful for you. Mm -hmm. Doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. We need more of them. We definitely need more of them. I mean, because sooner or later, you know, these kids are all grown up and they're like, it ends up being a, just a terrible cycle if it, it things don't change from the from the root, the grassroots. And these are the kids, the children. Yeah, legitimately. Like, whenever you give someone like that a position over children and like a position of power, they just traumatize and they just spread all that hate they have to other people. And they just, they, it really, being traumatized from such a young age is so terrible. Like, if you have that frame of reference of good habits, you know, if you get traumatized and really just destroyed as an adult, but if you have that childhood to fall back on, it's I, it's so much easier than just whenever you've never learned how to do something correctly. And it's legitimately, it's so terrible to actually, like, have to learn from the ground up how to live. And yeah. people, when they do that to people, when they traumatize children from a young age, they just emotionally stunt them and stop them from really becoming themselves, from really going through the process of personalization and reaching their, the, the, like the end of their psychological development. Mm -hmm. Their full potential. And they're just stuck in trauma. Yeah, that's right. And then, and then like in your case, somebody who, if you're not getting it there and you're not getting it at home either, I mean, that's you. You have either your a child is left to fend for themselves in in a sense, and like you were getting it from. What some people may say, well, that's an odd source, or how can you be able to come? But I understand your how you're able your your feelings and your companionship that you have with your dog because uh, animals. I mean, they're very sensitive, and they they might not be able to speak the language we speak, but they can certainly feel your emotion they know when you're sick when you're down they can um there's even a documentary my wife was watching I, I didn't I caught the end of it and it's it was on Netflix and it was called my best teacher the octopus and it was about a man's journey he was kind of documenting his his life that he led for a year or maybe longer than that following this same octopus and just watching its growth, how it interacted with different, the whole personality and character of this one octopus from however old the octopus was up until the last days of its life. And just everything that he learned, the um, emotional bond that he had with this octopus. And some might say an octopus, how in the hell can you develop a relationship? But it was intense. And he said it was probably the most intimate relationship besides his child and i don't know if he was married but that he had with any living creature yeah octopus there's some there's some animals i believe they have like sapience 
I believe octopus, squids, dolphins. Um, I believe some dogs might. I I do know. I believe the average golden retriever actually has a higher IQ than the average person. Mm. I think they have like 102 on average, something like that. <laughs> Which, wow. yeah, on average, yeah, the average golden retriever out IQs the average human. Do you know if those are are those considered the smartest dogs? Um. I I believe commonly the smartest dogs are considered the Shiba Inu, a Chinese breed, I believe. No, I think the Shiba Inu might be Japanese. I don't know. It, it's an Asian breed. Mm-hmm. And they're considered the smartest? I, Shiba Inu will actually teach other dogs how to behave properly. If you only give all of your dogs treats when they all behave correctly, the Shiba Inu will understand that and make the other dogs, well, he'll teach the other dogs how to behave properly and he'll enforce positive behavior in the other dogs so he gets treats. So he gets the treat too? Yep. <laughs> I know um, Golden Retrievers are smart. Also, the uh, what were the ones they use for rescue the rescue dot St. Bernard's. I don't know about IQ level, but I do know they're real good for rescue. You know, so many different dogs with different personalities. And, and uh, especially if you already have a, a bond where you're feeding, you're caring for it, and they're going to give you that love and support to the very end. And like you said, this dog was in a sense able to bond with you and kind of show you some things that um, you weren't getting it from anywhere else. And that's kind of what brought you to being able to communicate, verbalize yourself and, and to actually uh, socialize with humans. Yeah. Yeah. It was, he was legitimately like the stepping stone I needed. He was a teacher I needed to help me learn what I need to learn, how to like start where everyone else starts out in their life. Like, you know, to put it in video game terms, most people start out at level one. Well, when you're autistic, you might start out like love, you know, level negative eight. And a lot of people might know how to help people level up from one to two, but not that many people know how to go from negative eight to negative seven. And yeah. You really worked at it. You're still working at it. And you have you have some goals and you have uh, short-term and long-term goals that you're striving for. And I'll put my bottom dollar on it that you're going to get there. You really, you really got the right attitude, the right, the right mindset, and and uh, you, if you don't have the tools, like you said, you find a way to find those tools and make them work for you and use them properly. Knowledge is power, and you're you're really taking that and running with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever I was a kid, I didn't really have anything in my life except my mind. You know, a lot of other people they have TVs, they have you know books. I just had my mind and my. And, you know, that was, you know, really, you know, bad for me, but it's also in some ways really good for me. It's something I'm grateful for because it helped me really gain like a deep sense of my values and priorities in life. And a lot of my life is about finding that from a young age, having people throughout my entire life just beat the absolute shit out of me until like I was just, you know, in passive suicide mode. Mm. And learning how to connect back with that sense of purpose and learning how to, once again, lead a purposeful life and opening myself up to vulnerability again. Hmm. That's the spirit of this show. That was well said. And, and um, I mean, I said it once, said it again, but I, I'm really happy that we were able to connect and you were able to um, speak some of your peace with us uh, here um, Clarence, you have you have any any final thoughts or words you'd like to add before we wrap this thing up? Oh yeah, 
So some people, <laughs> this is a little weird to describe. In Germany, I don't know if they have this, but in America, you know, that you know, like the alpha, sigma, beta, omega thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> some people, you know, they'll look at me and they'll be like, oh, he's a sigma male. And they'll either like make fun of me or like, you know, I, I don't identify as a sigma male. Honestly, if you identify as a sigma male, you probably have autism. I don't mean to be like an asshole when I say that, but you look up the symptoms for autism, look up the mm-hmm. symptoms for being a Sigma male. They're legitimately the same thing. I would say an alpha male is a person that's went through the process of personalization. A beta male is a person that might've gone through the personal process of personalization and just is more of a follower than a leader. And what you would call an omega male is someone who's been traumatized and needs therapy. And a Sigma male is someone who has autism. Now, the research that originally went into classifying those, you know, people into that, while well, originally it was dogs, was fundamentally flawed. And you can just read about that. Just read on wolves. It's it's a pretty not good experiment. They just took random wolves from random places and put them together. It would kind of be like, you know, basing our understanding of psychology off of Brig Brother. Yeah, um, it's something random to end on. But I want you to understand that. And I guess another thing is... No matter how bad it is in your life, no matter how much it hurts, I promise you that the pain is worth it, that you are worthy of learning how to live a better life, overcoming those habits that are keeping you down. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of pain, but I promise you that it, it's worth it. I I understand that it's it's hard to know that. It's hard to to really like accept that to legitimately give life another shot when you're like that. But I promise you it's worth it. And if I could give you, you know, how I felt right now, that feeling, I feel like you would feel the same way. And it would be a lot easier for you to really start that journey. And I wish I could give that to you. It's, it really is life-changing. Honestly, even at my worst, the happiest you could have ever given me, you could have given me everything in life. I could have ever wanted. I don't think I would be as happy as I am, even at like my lowest moments today. If that gives you any perspective on how much better it is. So it absolutely does. Yeah. Thank you so much, um, Clarence, for your time, for sharing your story, for your awesome attitude and, and um all the best on your endeavors and what you set out to do later on in, in life and uh, what you're working on right now. Yeah, thank you. And I I hope you enjoyed listening. Yes, sir. My man, fighting the good fight, despite the fact of starting off at a negative eight, he wasn't going to lean on that like a crutch. He wasn't going to use it as an excuse. If anything, that was all the more reason for him to up his game so that he could live what we would call normal life. Despite his handicaps or his disabilities, that wasn't going to be the determining factor for him. And throughout the abuse as a child, being bullied and harassed throughout his school years by his peers and even teachers, through all the pain, the hurt, the suffering, in the midst of the firing squad, he kept his course. Though others may have counted him out or doubted him, he banked on himself. Clarence believed in himself and he put in the work, the effort to change his situation, to better himself as a human being. My hat's off to you. You are 
without a doubt, a giant amongst us. And like Clarence mentioned, his line is wide open to anybody who is looking for some support or they want to talk with someone that they feel is able to relate to their situation. I'm sure he'd be happy to hear from you. Again, Clarence, appreciate you and thank you for sharing your experience with us. Stand tall, buddy. And before this one winds down, if you would like to be a part of the show and share your story or even the story of someone in your life that has impacted you in a positive way, you can always reach out to me via email. I'd be happy to connect. Until next time, and very soon, peace. Looking for a sign to know I'm on the right road. Ain't seen no signs since Jericho.